0: Tuesday, November the 2nd. And this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up: Deforestation pledge at COP and India's COP out. First, the world in brief. More than 100 world leaders at the UN's COP26 climate conference in Glasgow pledged to end deforestation by 2030. Brazil, led by Jair Bolsonaro, under whose presidency swathes of the Amazon rainforest have been cleared for farmland, will be among the signatories. Other tree-laden countries signing up include Canada, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Indonesia and Russia. Some 85% of the world's forests will be covered by the agreement. In return, countries will receive $19 billion worth of funding. Deforestation is thought to account for around a quarter of greenhouse gas emissions. Earlier, Narendra Modi, India's Prime Minister, made the country's first ever commitment to achieve net zero carbon emissions, but only by 2070. The aim of the conference is to get countries to promise to reach that goal by 2050. India is the world's third highest emitter and still heavily dependent on coal for power. Rivian, an electric truck manufacturer, said it will target a valuation of over $53 billion when it lists on the Nasdaq exchange next week. The startup, backed by Amazon and Ford, made its first deliveries in September. Meanwhile, Nubank, a Brazilian fintech firm, is eyeing a valuation of over $50 billion when it floats in America. Companies have raised a record amount through IPOs there this year. At least four people were killed in Nigeria when a 22-storey luxury apartment building collapsed during construction. As many as 100 construction workers are feared to be trapped in the rubble. The cause of the collapse is unclear, but local authorities have ordered an investigation and promised to make the report public. Joe Manchin, a Democrat from West Virginia who wields a make-or-break vote in America's divided Senate, said he cannot yet support a $1.75 trillion social spending deal unveiled last week. He thinks it profligate and scolded progressives in the House of Representatives for not passing a complementary infrastructure bill first. His opposition means that Democrats will probably not vote on both bills this week, as they had hoped. Manufacturing output in America slowed slightly in October from the previous month, according to a closely watched measure as supply constraints stymied production. The Institute for Supply Management's Index of Factory Activity slipped to 60.8 from 61.1. A reading above 50 indicates expansion. Employment in the sector rose and demand remained strong, but shortages and shipping delays prevented stronger gains. The Netherlands is set to reimpose some COVID-19 restrictions, in response to a recent surge in cases. Last week's numbers reached their highest level since July. The exact measures will be decided upon on Tuesday. The country dropped almost all restrictions on September 25th, introducing a Corona pass instead for people to enter clubs, bars and other crowded venues. And fact of the day, more than 90% the percentage of Delhi residents found to have antibodies against COVID-19. And now here's today's agenda. Imprisoner Dilemma Minneapolis' Police Reform Referendum As the people of Minneapolis go to the polls on Tuesday, George Floyd will be on their minds. They will be voting not just for their mayor, but also in a referendum inspired by Mr. Floyd's killing by a police officer last year. They must choose whether to replace the police department with a new department of public safety that, quote, employs a comprehensive public health approach and to eliminate the city's mandatory minimum number of police officers. Opponents, including the city's incumbent mayor, Jacob Frey, consider it a pretext to, quote, defund the police, a policy increasingly unpopular among Americans as violent crime has increased reformers prefer the less provocative slogan quote, "expand public safety" arguing that employing a set number of police officers ties up money that might be better spent elsewhere if the referendum passes it would buck a national trend several cities reduced police funding only to increase it again Profit Booster Pfizer Pfizer has had a good year. The wide adoption of the drug maker's COVID-19 jab, the first to be rolled out, has given its profits a real shot in the arm. It is on track to produce 3 billion doses this year. America's drug regulator has just approved its vaccine for children aged 5 to 11. Next year, it expects to almost double COVID vaccine sales. As it reports quarterly results on Tuesday, its upward trajectory shows no signs of slowing. Pfizer's non-COVID business is also flourishing, with strong year-on-year growth in the second quarter. That trend is likely to continue, as the mRNA technology its COVID vaccine employs finds other uses. The recent acquisition of a cancer drug biotech company for $2.3 billion shows Pfizer is looking beyond the pandemic, In August, the firm raised its 2021 revenue projections. Thanks to demand for Covid vaccine boosters and the possibility that new variants of the virus will emerge, it may set its sights even higher. JAB CROSS Vaccine Passports International holidays are back they are not nearly as relaxing as they used to be. Certainly, many countries are reopening their borders. As of Monday, vaccinated tourists can enter Israel. Thailand is loosening up its restrictions too. The big hurdle now is proof of vaccination. Myriad different digital health passes have emerged. The European Union has one, India has another and America has a few in use all at once. Airport officials struggle to interpret disparate QR codes verified by different apps and spitting out different information when scanned. Traveller numbers have dropped by between 85% and 90% during the pandemic. Many airports are using the same number of staff but immigration queues are 5 or 6 hours long. Even so, after months holed up at home holidaymakers may still decide that long lines and piles of paperwork Are a price worth paying for a pina colada on a faraway beach. Fish slapping dance Britain and France. France's deadline for Britain to issue small French boats with more licenses to fish in British waters, initially set to expire on Tuesday, was extended until Thursday. Emmanuel Macron claims that by not giving out enough licenses, Britain is violating its Brexit deal with the European Union. The French president has threatened to stop British boats from landing fish in French ports, to impose stricter customs controls and even to raise the price of French electricity exports. The bull, he says, is in the British government's court. The British government says it will not back down it demands that the French withdraw their threats, claiming that they breached the Brexit trade deal. Some British ministers suggest Mr Macron is escalating the dispute to seem tough at home before a tricky re-election fight next April. The political heat is far greater than the financial interests actually at stake. Fisheries account for less than 0.1% of the two countries' economies. Correction, Female War correspondents. During the Second World War, female journalists risked their lives on the front lines. But the cultural stereotype of the macho war correspondent meant their contributions have largely fallen into obscurity. The Correspondence, six women writers on the front lines of World War II, released on Tuesday, set out to correct that historical slight thrusting these women into the centre of the story. Judith Mackrell's book tells of six journalists who braved the gruesome action abroad and decompressed by throwing back cocktails and dancing with the likes of Pablo Picasso and Eleanor Roosevelt. Among them are Lee Miller, who graced the cover of Vogue before becoming a war photographer, and Sigrid Schultz, who hid her Jewish identity to report on the Nazis for the Chicago Tribune, even cultivating Hermann Goering a member of Hitler's inner circle as a source. These authors of the first rough draft of history have at last had their own written. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Pierre Paolo Pasolini, who was assassinated on this day in 1975. I may be an unbeliever, but I am an unbeliever who has a nostalgia for a belief.